subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripod Blogs community at tripods.com. Jerry's Place for canine amputees and their people. Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Tripod Talk Radio, and today is Sunday, November 20th, 2016. On this episode, we are happy to chat with author and animal advocate Lori Kaplan. Lori is the creator of the indispensable Canine Cancer Handbook, Help Your Dog Fight Cancer, now in its third edition. She is also founder of the Magic Bullet Fund, a nonprofit fund dedicated to covering treatment costs for those who can't afford it. With more than 15 years of insight, we'll ask Lori what it's like to care for a dog with cancer and how we can help others who have received cancer diagnosis for their pets. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get started. Thank you for joining us, Lori. Hi, Tim. Hey, Lori, it's Renee. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Renee. It's good to be here. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. We have been wanting to talk to you for a long time. Well, we've been sort of in touch, tripods and the Magic Bullet Fund, which we'll talk about later. We've been in touch to help the dogs with cancer that uh, have amputations. Yeah, and, you know, I, I was thinking today about how very similar our, our our life's work is. I mean, you and I, it's like we turned something really awful into something good to to help people and i'm so i'm so honored to meet you because you led the way i mean if it wasn't for people like you who who were brave enough back way back you know to to go and and do cancer therapy for your dog i mean who knows where we'd be now it's pretty cool that that you saw and you were able to to take care of bullet the way we did and and that's what we're going to talk about today okay good yeah. So you told me that it was it was 2000 when uh, when Bullet was diagnosed with cancer and um boy, you've got quite a story and I I'm hoping you can just kind of summarize it for us cuz I could talk to you all day about it, but sure. yeah. Tell, I could tell me that. what kind of cancer he was diagnosed with. Bullet Bullet was diagnosed with lymphoma. When he was mm-hmm. nine years old, that was back in the year 2000, um, I noticed some lumps in his neck, which is not easy because he had this huge fur coat. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but one day I was sort of massaging him, and I just I just felt these lumps that in his neck that I knew shouldn't be there. Right where if you go to the doctor and you have a sore throat, he'll feel your throat right there for those lymph mm-hmm. nodes. Um, so I noticed those, and I took him to the vet, and sure enough, the vet at first thought they're allergies and put him on antihistamines, um, and that's very common. 
Um, at least back then it was. Now it's less common because the vets are all ready to diagnose cancer all the time. But but back then they were not, and um, he thought it was allergies, and it was very, very common for dogs with lymphoma um, for their owners to tell me later that they were so upset their vet hadn't diagnosed it immediately. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the first instinct is, oh, you know, I think the dog has allergies. Let's give him antihistamines. Um, so anyhow, that didn't work after a couple of weeks, so I went back. Uh, and at that point, um, Dr. Hoskins said, I think that Bullet has lymphoma. And wow. um, he did a little a little surgery the next day, took out a little bit of the lymph node. Actually, he, he said it fell apart while he was trying to get a piece of it, so he took the whole lymph node out. Um, and the report came back the next day saying Bullet had late-stage lymphoma. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I freaked How? out. Like, everyone freaks out, and yeah. I freaked out. <laughs> um, I, just, yeah, and I just was like, no, I'm not going to let this happen. And and right, and so you, and at the time, you were a veterinary medical writer, um, so you were a little more aware than the average person, right? I was. I had a head start, for sure. Um, I had a head start knowing a bit about it, not nearly as much as I was about to learn, but um, I did know something about it. I had many articles written about um, dogs and cancer, cats and cancer, and I also at that time was writing, I was uh, uh, the editor of Catnip Magazine from Tufts Vet School, Um, so I wrote some of the articles and I hired writers to write others. Um, so yes, I was involved and I had the head start as a researcher. I also had a head start because, um, I had a group of friends at Tufts, all the vets there, um, and some of them were very helpful in getting us started on the treatment plan. You're, you're so fortunate. I mean, because, you know, most people like me were just blindsided by the diagnosis. I mean, it's like, not only do you get the diagnosis, but you have no idea where to begin. So you had you had some help, and sometimes it seems like too much information can, can also be just as overwhelming as, as not enough. So I wanted to ask you, how did you decide what what medical treatment to pursue with, with bullet? Well, actually, with lymphoma, it's pretty easy because chemotherapy is the only thing that is going to get a dog into remission for any length of time. Um, so it's, you know, if a dog with lymphoma will die in four to six weeks without chemo. Wow. Uh, with chemo. With chemo, if he responds well, which most of them do, um, you can hope for 12 to 18 months, which is a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. When um, you don't want to lose your dog, a whole year is a very long time to to have your dog. Bullet, actually, we were very, very lucky. We we got more than a remission. The, the vets were calling it a cure, which is sort wow. of um, um, a paradox because lymphoma is a terminal cancer, so a, a cure should be impossible. Um, but they do say after um, a certain number of years, they will call it a cure. But we had four and a half years. And by that time, wow. he was was almost 14 years old, and uh, he just really died from old age. The cancer never came back, so we were really incredibly lucky. 
Um, but but even under normal circumstances, without without being that lucky, um, you can help for a year to eighteen months, year to year and a half for lymphoma. Um, so the decision mm-hmm. was easy about about doing chemo. But then once you decide, okay, we need to do chemo, there were different protocols um, to decide which protocol do we want to use. Um, and um, again, that was that was um, my great luck to be employed at Tufts Vet School at that time. Um, so I had some help from the vets who were actually involved in developing chemotherapy for dogs back in the 90s when when oncology started for dogs. Um, uh, wow. and, and, yeah, they helped us figure out which protocol to go with. And, um, and then I got started on the holistics and the diet and the supplements and everything else I needed to uh, put into place at home. Um, while we yeah, and, now, and then after. Yeah, and, and so you had the conventional chemotherapy figured out for you, but then you also approached it on a very holistic level, which, you know, was unheard of back then. Um, what what else did you use uh, besides chemotherapy? Uh, besides chemotherapy, well, the diet, I, <clears throat> I feel the diet was very important. I put together a diet for a bullet, um, which is, explained in detail in the book there's um cooking instructions or or preparation instructions because uh bullet had a raw diet but this diet can be made raw or cooked um Mm -hmm. and uh a series of supplements a week after he started chemo i went to um smithridge vet clinic which is very famous across the country i happened to be Mm -hmm. nearby so so I went there. I saw Marty Goldstein, um, and he got me started on putting together um, a group of supplements that I was going to give Bullet to support um, his organs and his general health while he was going through chemo. Um, some of them are are to minimize side effects, um, and some are just to boost his immune system. Um, so, so I put those together, and then uh, for the next couple of years after that, I was constantly re-refining that group of supplements I was giving him. And uh, we did acupuncture, yeah. and we also did Reiki. Oh, <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So I tried to cover the bases, you know. You sure did, and that was pretty open-minded of you, considering that you worked at a a veterinary school, which, you know, back then was, you know, almost all conventional, right? I mean, they didn't do things like that. So you were lucky enough to live near um, Dr. Marty, which is, he uh, he wrote a book for everybody listening. Um, the book's called The Nature of Animal Healing. Yes. And um, it's a fantastic book. book. Yeah. Yes. If you people, if you need that book on your bookshelf, it's really, really helpful. Um but it's it's so it's so cool that you were able to do that, and obviously it worked because you know for Bullet to be able to live out to past his normal life expectancy, really, I mean that's pretty amazing. Yes, yeah. Universe yeah. smiled on us. We were very lucky. And, right. Uh, you know, I, and I have to say, and I talk about this in my book also. I have to say that um, there is another dog named Buddy who years ago had lymphoma and survived five years 
Um, wow. And I interviewed, I couldn't reach the owner, but I interviewed the vet who treated Buddy. Um, and according to the vet, Buddy had, was given no supplements, no special diet. He was given the supermarket dog food. And he still <laughs> lived five years with lymphoma. So it's, you know, the jury's out on, on whether all of this stuff helps or, or not. But um, I I just decided I wanted to do everything I could to to try to get a really good success from his treatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we agree. We see examples like that a lot where, you know, the dog is given generic dog food. I mean, really, literally, and, and still it, goes on to, yeah. to beat the odds. It is. And then we have dogs who've been raw fed all their lives, and, you know, they don't make it past the prognosis. And so it's really a crapshoot, but either way, the dogs live healthier than they ever have before, and you feel really good that you're doing something to help, right. which is, you know, the basis of your book, um, Help Your Dog Fight Cancer. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, what I wanted to ask you was, with, so you put together everything that you learned through, through the course of, of treating Bullet, and you turned it into such a, a Bible for people who are dealing with canine cancer. I, I wanted to ask you, um, nowadays, you know, we have, we have many more options than, than we used to for treating canine cancer, um, especially for certain types of cancer. It seems to be there's a wider variety. Um, so how do you choose? How is somebody supposed to choose what's out there? How do we know which chemotherapy to do? I mean, we can get advice from our oncologist, but really it's up to us in the end. And right. So what do you tell people about choosing? Well, okay, so the, the first source of information is the, the vet who diagnoses or the vet that he sends you to or she sends you to. Um, and that's great. You can get some great information from them. But but I think that people need more information than what they hear from their vet. Very often the vet gives, um, you know, information that they have said to 10 other people that day. It's like a script. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. you just hear that, that they, I mean, they, they do have to say it uh, so many times. Um, and and they are informing you about what's going on with your dog, and they tell you what you should do. Usually the vet will just tell you, this is what we're going to do. And it's, you know, you can say yes or no, but they don't give you any other options. And almost always with cancer, there's more than one option. There's more than one type of treatment. Um, And the choice of what type of treatment might depend on um, your dog's age, and general health, you know, you may feel that your dog's just not strong enough to have aggressive treatment, um, and it depends on your finances. Unfortunately, you know, the cancer treatment is very expensive, and you may not be able to do the treatment that your doc- that your vet's talking about, but there may be a different type of chemo or a different type of radiation therapy that, that you can afford, um, or that for an older dog that would be gentler and, and not have any chance of of killing him while you, while he's in treatment, which you certainly don't want to do that. Um, so so that's the first thing is is that you what you hear from your vet and you really need to hear more than what you hear from your vet. Um, you can get a second opinion, of course, um, mm-hmm. and and then there are other sources. These days there are groups support groups on the internet. Um, uh, some of them are for a specific type of canine cancer, and others are just in general for pets with cancer. 
um, but they're full of great people who've done so much research um, and had so much experience. Um, so I, I always recommend that someone join a support group online and just go in there, tell them your story. You know, my dog's been diagnosed. Here's what mm-hmm. he has. Um, I don't, I'm not, here's what my vet says. I'm not sure what to do. And you'll get so many answers of suggestions of other things. Um, and then, you know, you can take that back to your vet and say, well, what about this treatment? Maybe, maybe this would be good for my dog. Um, maybe this would be more yeah. comfortable for, for my family environment. This is what we choose. Yeah. So it's really just, it's all about communication and exploring your options and, and keeping an, an open line with your vet because you know you want to you want to be able to do what you you can afford and what's what's good for your dog and you know you know your dog best so talk to people yes. and you know here at, at tripods we we tend to deal um, only with cancers that affect the limbs of course so right. you know osteosarcoma or mast cell cancers um, but yeah mm-hmm. there my God there's so many types of cancer out there that. There's somebody who has been through it and somebody who can help for sure. So great and you advice know, Renee, there. Renee, mm-hmm. the decision when a dog has osteosarcoma, um, typically what happens is there's an amputation unless unless it's started to metastasize. Um, what most people do is they amputate. Um, and then all the amputations that have happened in the Magic Bullet Fund, the dogs with osteosarcoma, um, I either send mm-hmm. them or I ask them to get the tripods harness. Is, oh, it's so helpful for, for three-legged dogs. It's just fabulous. I mean, I use it for my dogs, and they have four legs. <laughs> but um, it's, a, it's yeah. a fabulous harness. I love it. Um, but the decision when a, a person has a dog with osteosarcoma, the decision of whether to have an amputation done or not is very difficult. Um, and to make it worse, they need to make the decision quickly because the cancer yeah. metastasizes to the lungs quickly. Um, and then after that happens, there's no amputation. Then it's just palliative care until the lung cancer um, overcomes them. Um, so that yeah, is a, a it's... very, very difficult cancer to, to work with with dogs if you have a dog with osteo in a limb it, it is such a hard decision to make it, you know it is because you're not only are you dealing with the cancer diagnosis itself but then you have to make this major decision on on the amputation and it's like it's two big things looking at you in the face going oh my god what do i do um yes but but let's, you mentioned palliative care, so let's let's talk about that. It's 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 a difficult subject, but you know if you're mm-hmm. dealing with cancer, especially a, a fast moving one like osteo, you're going to mm-hmm. face it eventually. And you know everybody wants to know. Usually it, they they want to know as soon as the diagnosis happens. A lot of people get fixated on on how will I know when it's when it's time. And yeah, you have seen this a lot, so. What in your experience? How does somebody know when it's time to stop treatment and and just do palliative care? And, and if you could explain what palliative care is, that'd be great. Sure, of course. Palliative care means that you are no longer going to aggressively fight the cancer. You're not going to give the dog any invasive or aggressive treatments that could be traumatic for the dog. You're only going to give him 
treatments and medications and supplements that will make him feel better and uh, help to prolong his life, hopefully. Um, but you, you're not fighting anymore. You're not fighting the cancer. Um, and you're preparing for a decline and euthanasia, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, but there's a there's a quality of life scale that was produced by Alice Villalobos of Edmond, California, who I write books with. Um, and her quality of life scale is fabulous. It's very helpful for people who whose dogs are just beginning palliative care, because um, if you fill it out once a week, um, you can you can sometimes see oh this has declined. You know this is a little lower than it was last time I filled it out. Um, and it's like a reality check because you don't want to you don't really want to admit that there's a decline going on. Um, but but if you fill out the quality of life scale every so often when you think something's changed in your dog's behavior or appearance, let's see let's see what's going on. Um, it it helps people gradually see where they're going to be at a point where the dog's quality of life. Uh, may not be good enough to keep going. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, it's and helpful to have that chart. The the quality of life scale for anyone who wants to download it um, is at my website. Help your dog fight cancer. Um, you'll see yeah, it under yeah. uh, listed listed on the homepage. The quality of life scale, um, and you you can just open it up and print it. Print out ten of them. Um, and fill them out periodically and see if anything's changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely hard to to see it when you're going through it, and you know you might get opinions from other people that you don't really want to hear. <laughs> so mm-hmm, having, definitely, yeah. Having an unbiased, you know, guideline like that is is super helpful. I I wish I had known about it when when it was Jerry's time. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's talk about your book, um, Help Your Dog Fight Cancer, because mm-hmm. you know it's it's been around for for a long time, and it was one of the first resources that that we turned to and that everybody recommended. And you just uh, published your second edition of it uh, earlier this year. So actually, the you know, third I edition. know that it's third edition. Wow! Oh my gosh! Yeah. Third yeah. Edition. Wow! So and, it's and um it's a it's, it's actually, a huge book. It, it became a huge book. It started out when I first published this in 2004. Um, I just, you know, most people were not doing cancer treatment yet. It was just starting to become a common thing. Um, and I wanted to write this book. My dog's bullets oncologist actually talked me into doing it. Um, really? And I, I just wanted to help people get started. Um, understanding what's going on with my dog, what does this cancer diagnosis mean, what kind of treatment do they give for this type of cancer, and also what can I do as far as diet and supplements. Um, I just wanted a primer to get people started. I I actually um, pulled things out of it. I was trying to keep it simple. I don't want to complicate it. I don't don't want to bore people with medical they don't want to know. I just want to give mm-hmm. them a head start to get started with their dog's treatment and to feel um, feel a, a little more at peace with what's what's going to happen with their dog's treatment. Um, and what's happened over the years is that dog owners have become so proactive 
they don't want a primer. They really want in-depth information. Um, mm-hmm. So this this new book is is actually about twice as long as as the previous editions, um, and there's a tremendous amount of new information in it and information that will, as the subtitle of the book says, I hope, um, empower people, empower dog owners to go through their dog with cancer, fighting cancer, um, and feel confident that they understand what's happening, they understand what their options are, um, and and to give them some help in, in making decisions. Yeah, you know, it's it's really great to have all of that information in front of you because it, it doesn't mean that you have to pursue every single thing. But, you know, having that information makes you feel educated. It makes you feel more confident. And, and no matter what you choose, you can tell yourself, you know, I looked at everything. I looked at everything, and here's what we decided to do. So it's it's so helpful. Everybody, if you're facing a cancer diagnosis, this book is is the one to have. It's um, I just I just love the fact that you have your your background in, in veterinary medical writing because you um you present it in such an, a, a way that makes it easy for people to understand. Um, so so we we really appreciate that about the book. And um, you also, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you do. It's it's an awesome book. Um. And then you also wrote uh, another book called So Easy to Love, So Hard to Lose. And yes. that one is, is very different. And it's, it's a book about coping with the loss of, of your animal. So, so tell us a little bit about it. Um, what inspired you to write it and uh, how it can help people? Well, what inspired me to write it is, is partly that um, when I was in school for a master's in counseling, we, we spent a, a good deal of time on grief counseling. And then when I was running the Magic Bullet Fund, um, I guess at that time when I wrote the book, there had been about 200 dogs through the fund. Um, And whenever a dog that's been helped by the Magic Bullet Fund dies, almost always the owner calls me when they die. So Mm. I'm doing grief counseling on the phone for almost 200 people who have lost their dogs. And while I'm doing this, I'm, I'm really feeling like people... People need help um, to get through it. You know, a lot of people don't have anyone, family or friends, who understand what they're feeling, what they're mm-hmm. going through. You know, people say, oh, it's only a dog. Um, right. And get, get over it, you know. And, and, and there's just no support out there. Um, there are support groups online which I recommend. I also recommend that people use my book <laughs> to get mm-hmm. through the grief. Um, and it's one page of text to read, and the page next to it is a series of questions to actually write in the book, write the answer in. Um, I, I do recommend people buy the physical book, not the ebook, or print, print mm-hmm. out the ebook. Because um, it's very important to sit there and write the answers in. Um, and if you go through the entire book, page by page, write your answers. As you're going along, the answers are, are going to um, culminate in your head um, and take you to certain places, certain plateaus where you can deal better with the loss um, and be at peace with it 
but hold on to the love. You know, that's that's the thing with grief is a lot of people push it away, and then they lose their connection with the dog. You don't want to just yeah. push it away and, and, you know, get over it like people tell you to do. <laughs> you you want to go through the grief and pay tribute to your dog. Uh, and that's, It's definitely that's a what, process. Yeah, that's really what this, this book does. You know, question by question, it's all leading leading somewhere, and it takes into account um, all different types of loss, you know, whether it's from cancer or um, hit by a car or just ran away and never came back. You know, mm-hmm. there are a lot of different situations, um, and they're all equally difficult. Yeah, I really I really appreciate how you cover each of those types of situations in, in the book. And um, we just we have just over a minute left. I can't believe this time has just flown. Um, really briefly, uh, tell me about the Magic Bullet Fund. We've been talking about it, but um, just in a nutshell, what is it exactly? And um, and tell us about how you keep this fund going because I find it just incredible that you have done so much work to help people, and you're one of the few funds out there that has lasted so long. It's it's true, Renee. A lot of them are closing up. Okay, let me be quick. Magic Bullet Fund helps people who have a dog with cancer but cannot afford the treatment fees. And there are so many people out there that are in this situation right now. Um, so we've helped 520-something dogs at this point. Wow. Um, and people apply, and and the application goes through a process. We have a review board with vets, vet techs, and clinic managers um, and that's that's the final step. Um, they go through a, a financial check, and then the case manager collects information from the clinic about the treatment and the fees, and then they send mm-hmm. the application to the review board, and they say yes or no. They're just supposed to look and see if there's anything we missed, any reason that we should not help this dog. Um, so that's, that's wow. the application process. Um, and as far as keeping it going, I have volunteers. I have 22 volunteers all over the country without whom I could never be able to run this fund. Um, I get grants. Petco Foundation has given us three wonderful grants to help us cover cover the costs of treatments when we aren't able to raise funds for a certain dog. Um, mm-hmm. The media helps. I have a volunteer who sends out a press release about each dog that comes into the fund. And we have newspapers and TV stations all over the country that um, print articles or do video clips on the air about the, the dogs in their area that have been helped in the fund. And that really helps donations come in when we can get a media appearance. Um, Diamondback Drugs is a uh, veterinary drug distributor that helps us uh, by giving us discounted chemo drugs, oh, wow. which I have sent to the clinic instead of paying the clinic their stock fee for their drugs. Uh, and that uh-huh. helps a lot. Yeah, and a lot of the clinics uh, agree to give a discount because we're a nonprofit. They agree to give us a 10 or 20% discount, and that also helps. Wow, that is so inspiring. I am, I am in awe, Lori. I, I just have to say thank you for all that you do. You've helped so many dogs and people in this world, and and may you continue to keep doing that for a very long time. It's been a real pleasure and an honor. Thank you for being here today. Oh, thanks for having me, Renee. It was really nice talking with you. 
It was wonderful talking with you also. Thank you very much for your time, Lori. Listeners can learn more about your assistance program at magicbulletfund.com and get your book at helpyourdogfightcancer.com. Until next time, read our book review and find more, many more, pet amputation resources in the blogs and forums at tripod.com. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts. And claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.